1: Well, the NFL is down to its final four. It will be the Packers at the 49ers for the NFC Championship game and the Titans are at Kansas City for the AFC Championship. The winners of course go to Super Bowl 54 in Miami. We'll break down the divisional games from this weekend. Man, what a weekend. The Niners roll over the Vikings. The Titans with a huge upset of Baltimore and MVP Lamar Jackson and the Chiefs stage one of the biggest comebacks in NFL history down 24 to nothing against the Texans to win that game, and the Packers edge Seattle in a wild one. Also, two coaches were named to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, Bill Cower and Jimmy Johnson. We've got all that, and the Tampa Bay Lightning see their streak end at 10 games in a row with a loss at New Jersey on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times along with producer Steve Versnick. Well, Steve, uh, I said this was my favorite weekend in the NFL, but as it turns out, uh, the games weren't as close as the previous weekend, although you had, I thought, better teams. And there were some pretty interesting games. We'll get to Kansas City's epic and historic comeback uh, here in just a minute. But overall, just you know, not not a lot of close games, I guess you would say.
0: Yeah, I was trying to think of the last time that wildcard weekend was more exciting than division weekend. That's rare. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you know, normally, normally wild-card weekend, you end up with several blowouts, and you're ready to declare those teams as Super Bowl champs until they meet yep. someone in the divisional round, and then reality sets in. But this year, all the wild-card games were close, and the division games were, I, I won't say snoozers because there was some good football played, but right. but by the end, they weren't close
1: at all. That's right. Yeah, no, they, they, were, they were, I mean, I guess the Seattle-Green yeah, Bay game, which was, we'll talk right. about in a minute, came down to, you know, maybe a, controversial spot or, or call, um, you know, at the end where, where Green Bay was able to run out the clock. Let's start with, uh, Saturday's game. Of course, the, the first divisional playoff game was the 49ers hosting the Vikings and they won that one pretty easily 27 to 10. I'll tell you what was impressive is San Francisco running the football against that defense, 186 yards on the ground. Tevin Coleman, the former Falcons running back. Of course, he was with Mike Shan- or, uh, Kyle Shanahan in Atlanta had twenty-two carries for one hundred five yards and a couple of touchdowns, and um, you know I thought overall they they sort of they sort of dominated the Vikings up front on both sides of the ball, and then of course defensively they were all over Kirk Cousins. I mean they they just you know between Nick Bosa and D Ford who was playing again, you forget um, how Harry... much
0: D Ford adds to that defense. Oh,
1: it's tremendous! Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, that He's defensive line
0: is uh, that's one of the best we've ever seen in football.
1: It's really good, and a bunch of first-round picks, of course, and, mm-hmm. and uh, um, you had, and basically, they they totaled five sacks. Um, Bosa had two of those, along with uh, three quarterback hits and two tackles. for Bosa, let me just say this, man, that, Nick Bosa is going to win Rookie of the Year, right? Defensive Rookie of the Year. He might be the Defensive Player of the Year, um, particularly if they were to vote on this after the playoffs, but... That guy is is just his motor is unbelievable, and we've seen, of course, his brother's a pretty damn good player as well, also made the Pro Bowl, um, but wow, what a what a sensational looking rookie. I mean, he, he was just tremendous.
0: Yeah, I mean and, and you know look playing with those other guys in the defensive line helps, but yeah, there's a it reason does. he was what number two overall um, mm-hmm. behind Kyler Murray and, and That's right. you know, if Arizona decided to stay with um, Josh Rosen instead, he could have been the first overall pick. Um, you know, he's that type of talent. I mean, and he was at Ohio state too. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, and, and the scary thing is, is they say chase young's better, which that is you know, scary. We'll, right? see, we'll see next year and depending where he goes, but, but that mm-hmm. 49ers defensive line just dominated Minnesota.
1: It really did. I mean, Minnesota came out and they, they had a touchdown of course on their first drive. But after that, uh, the Niners defense just dictated, I mean, the whole game, I mean, they gave up, um, I think out of the next seven possessions, there were six three-and-outs. I mean, that's, that's just, you know, you can't do any better than that. And the third fewest, uh, I think, yards allowed, 147 yards, which is, which is incredible. And, and, you know, to your point, this was a team that had been given up damn near like 30 points a game, you know, in December um, when they were all beat up. The thing that I, the thing that if I were a forty nine er fan, I'd be a little concerned about. It. And look, I like Jimmy Garoppolo a lot, and he started off on fire. He hit five of his first six passes um, for fifty seven yards and a touchdown on the first drive. But after that, he was kind of all over the place. Um, you know, he finished eleven of nineteen for just one hundred thirty one yards and a TD. He threw a, an egregious interception in there. Not a good rating, obviously seventy four seven, but. Um, he didn't have to do much, right? Because when you run the ball and play defense, and this is the thing, you know, I think these playoffs are showing, and it was great weather in San Francisco. It wasn't so great everywhere else. But, you know, when you get to the stage of the season, you have to be able to, to sort of impose your will by running the football, um, stopping the run. It, it's hard to throw the ball over the place, Patrick Mahomes notwithstanding, which is just, you know, that guy's on a different level altogether, Him and him and Aaron Rodgers, but... Um, for the most part we saw all weekend the formula was good defense and running the football and you think about the Bucks and Jameis Winston and of course turnovers at this stage if you turn the ball over the good teams are going to turn those into points as um, you know as we saw in the uh, Titans in Baltimore game but um, I, I'm not I, I like Jimmy Garoppolo as a quarterback I think you know I mean obviously he's in it and Tom Brady is not um, but it's not a it's not a dynamic passing offense in San Francisco. I'm not sure they need one, but it's just I wasn't that impressed with him.
0: Yeah, and granted, it's his first playoff game.
1: True, and, that's and, you true. You know, we
0: did talk about you know how that how that would affect things, and if Kirk Cousins have a little bit of an advantage, especially after what he did, you know, mm-hmm. in New Orleans the week before. I thought Shanahan's game plan was good, and when you can run the ball that effectively, like you said, you know, Garoppolo didn't have to to be really well um right and, and once the game was in hand you kind of know that too so i i mean going against aaron Rodgers, i mean that's the one thing you wonder is you know you might say kyle shanahan's a better coach than matt lafleur mm-hmm. but green bay has the better quarterback in this matchup
1: no way. doubt i mean no by doubt. bar they none do. i
0: mean it's not even close and, and grapple yeah. may get there someday but sure um you know you see some of the throws aaron Rodgers made on sunday
1: um you know he still got it of course um he's clutch he's really clutch yeah and we, we can we can talk about that matchup obviously as the week goes on um but I, I I yeah I would agree with you I think that I think Garoppolo um you know plays to his strengths look they're not loaded with great outside receivers and, and George Kittle is sort of his main target and he throws a ball over the middle of the field a lot where you get a lot of balls tipped and you know the one that was intercepted was was not a very good throw but uh, overall, I mean, they get it done, you know, by, by physically imposing their will on both sides of the ball. Their offensive line was very, very good. Their defensive line, as we mentioned, was terrific. Um, and you know, and, and look, they've got home field advantage. I mean, they were one yard shy, uh, of stopping when they stopped Seattle in the final game of the season, uh, just short of the goal line that gave them the number one overall seed. Otherwise they would have been on the road the first week and they got the buy and, and, it just goes to show you, too, you know, just how big that bye week is this time of year because everybody's beat up. Um, you know, we talked about Minnesota having to go to New Orleans. They win an emotional game down there. Then they come home. They got some guys who couldn't practice, some guys that were nicked up, and then they have to fly all the way to the West Coast. And you know, it, it wears on you. You can see how much fresher San Francisco was sleeping in their own beds, waking up, you know, going to Levi Stadium and. and um, you know, in playing Minnesota, which did not look as energetic as they did in, in the first wild card week. So that's a big deal to get home field advantage. And the 49ers were fortunate to do that. The game that I, shocked me throughout the whole playoffs. And, and look, I think I predicted all but this one, uh, if I'm not mistaken, if, if I, my memory serves. But I did not see the Titans beating the Ravens. I thought the Ravens were on such a roll that playing at home, um, the weather wasn't supposed to be that great. It it was going to be a ground-and-pound type game, or so you thought, coming in, because obviously that's what Tennessee wants to do. Um, But this, look, if if the Titans can go into New England and beat the New England Patriots and then go into Baltimore and beat the Ravens in Baltimore with with Derrick Henry running the way he has I'm going to give them a chance in any game at this point. I know it would be like the improbable trifecta, right, to go into now Kansas City and try to do the Chiefs with that explosive offense. But I'm telling you, this Tennessee team has an awful lot of confidence.
0: Yeah, I saw a, uh, a, someone posted on Facebook that imagine the coach in Miami – <laughs> right that didn't think Tannehill was any good didn't they, a lot of players that they didn't think were very good that are elsewhere performing extremely well
1: oh yeah they and that
0: just... guy has another job he's yep. now in New York at the Jets <laughs> that's right um, <laughs> Adam Gase yes yep. so um look that might be why he's no longer in Miami we've always wondered and, and it's been the, the thought all year is how would Baltimore play from behind because mm-hmm. that that that's an offense designed to get a lead and then just crush you by Choke running you running it down mm-hmm. your throat. Um, although it's not as physical way with Lamar Jackson running down the field. Tennessee got that early lead and it put Baltimore all out of sorts, and they never got it back together. And I did not see that coming. Um, you know, I guess because Tennessee squeaked into the playoffs, and you know what, they were two and four, and when they benched Mariota. Yeah. And Ryan Tannehill comes in, and we all think of Ryan Tannehill with the Dolphins, going, "Who? Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, this is gonna, you know, I mean, not that Mariota was great, but you're benching Mariota for Tannehill. I mean, I right. think that was kind of the the thought for a lot of people. Um, everyone keeps writing them off, and, and believe me, I didn't see that that win coming either. I mean, that you talk about a snoozer of a game, and mm-hmm. you know, Tennessee just took control and just, you know, methodically ran the clock down on them.
1: You know it's interesting. I mean, I remember talking to John Robinson. I've said this a couple of times on this podcast back in March, and and we were having a discussion about you know he had he of course was with the Bucks as the assistant GM when they drafted Jameis Winston, and then he goes to Tennessee. What a great guy to compare the two quarterbacks, right? Marcus Mariota is there in his fifth year uh, under the same fifth year option that Jameis was playing under. And they they totally went a different way. I mean, where Bruce Arians was gonna, you know, make sure that Jameis didn't look over his shoulder. He didn't want Ryan Fitzpatrick. He wanted getting Blaine Gabbert, which was the quarterback behind Mariota that the Tennessee discarded. Um, you know, John Robinson said, "Look, it's Marcus's team. We've told him. We told Marcus that it's your team. However, um, you know, if things don't go well, we want somebody who can come in and play and play really well. And I mean, in Tannehill, for all the things that." he may not be, he still is a first round pick, right? And and he's a guy mm-hmm. that has played a lot of good football in his, in his career. Um, and he completely turned the game around or turned the team around. His second game was the game that the Bucks played up there in Tennessee. I'm telling you the two of these teams that were in the playoffs this weekend, I saw the Bucks play and I was not impressed with them even a little bit. The Titans were lucky to win that game. The Bucks threw that one away, of course, um, and, and then Tennessee got 14 early points off turnovers up there in Tennessee, and the Bucks probably should have won that game anyway, going away. Uh, and here they are. They continue to get better. But Tannehill, you know, it's weird because you look at his numbers, and for the, you know, he didn't hit 100 yards passing for the second straight postseason game. When's the last time you've seen a quarterback win games in the postseason without even getting to 100 yards passing? Isn't that like Bart Starr's day? Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, I think they were folding their helmets and putting it in their pockets. Um, and, and this is the thing. And so, you know, but he didn't have to because you've got a guy like Derrick Henry um, who is just going completely nuts. In four career now postseason games, Henry has 561 yards on 99 carries. And he's he just crushed the Ravens' defense. He had 30 carries for 195 yards. Um, and, I mean... You talk about domination, and so now, uh, in this postseason alone, he's got 377 yards and 64 carries, almost six yards per carry, uh, as well as a touchdown. So, it's it's been a strong, strong performance uh, by that big running back, and by by the Titans' defense as well. And and it was weird too to me. I mean, obviously the turnovers, um, you know, hurt Baltimore in in the worst way um but they they sort of went away from the run and you just never want Lamar Jackson to be in a position of having to throw you know that many times in a football game which is that is not their game and obviously you know you credit the Titans for um you know for shutting him down on on fourth down twice they went for it on fourth and short mm-hmm. they didn't make it they forced three turnovers uh, they sacked Jackson four times i know that, you know the talk is going to be steve that i told you you can't win with a guy who won't, you know, play from the pocket, right? And I would just say, you know, pump the brakes on on writing off Lamar Jackson as a mm-hmm. guy that can't win in the postseason because first of all, his team didn't play very well around him, and he's certainly a big part of that. Um you know, but the guy fought his ass off and he went fourteen and two, okay. You can't go fourteen and two in this league as a fluke. Now will defenses learn maybe how to contain that running game a little bit and and therefore Make Lamar beat them with his arm? Yeah. And, and will he get better at doing it? I think he will. Um, you know, that's that's not how they won. And so when you get away from the formula in the playoffs, that's the way it looks. You, you know, you have to get a lead. You have to um, not get behind the score and the, and the sticks and all that and put your quarterback in a bad spot. But I, I think Lamar Jackson is going to be just fine. And I think if they stick with it and just, you know, learn from this and get better, um, it's it's an awful disappointment for the Ravens fans. I know because you know th- I'm telling you three weeks ago this team looked like it could not be stopped. It was on such a such a roll and such a snowball. Um, but it just goes to show you that you know sometimes the matchups are just not good. You, you you faced another team that's physical that you know could match could match what you do and and just beat you at your own game. Well, and, and let's not forget that Lamar Jackson's younger than. Joe Burrow, who's going to be the number one there? You go. I mean, this is his second
0: season; his first full season (laughs) starting. No, I'm not going to write him off. I, you know, yeah. Did did they have a good game? But people are absolutely well, and, and then.
1: How do you write anyone off after their first playoff game in their second? Well, they, year after I mean, their you first, know, they like you know, no. There I, are I people know. that I just know. like to say, "See, you can't win with a running quarterback, or you can't win with a guy that can't stand in the pocket and deliver." You know, that sort of thing. Three or four years from now, if it's still the same results every time
0: they go to the playoffs, then let's talk.
1: Right, right. right. You
0: know, this, this is their first time. I'm, you know, I'm not going to write that off. I think Tennessee had a tremendous game plan, got the lead early, mm-hmm. and, and took Baltimore out of what they wanted to do. Which is, you know, right. the the way the games they've lost this year, that's kinda what happened to them. So mm-hmm. um kudos to Tennessee. Am I gonna make any judgments on Lamar or Baltimore or that offense? No. Um you know, like I said, if a few more playoffs go by, it's the same thing, sure. But you know, this is the second year, his first full year starting. I mean he took over what, week thirteen or fourteen last year?
1: Last year, yeah. You know, and, playoffs and then, then to San Diego, but yeah.
0: Now, what what I am going to be interested in next season is how defenses adjust to Baltimore. Now that they'll have mm-hmm. a whole off season to go through what they sure. did this year. I mean, sure. you know, w- what's always been interesting in the NFL is you'll. And I'm not saying Baltimore is a fad, but for instance, the Wildcat, mm-hmm. which right. works well in college and, and works well in the pros occasionally, but the one season that everybody went to the Wildcat and was using it, it was successful. Mm-hmm. The next year, mm-hmm. it didn't work. Not so much, right? Because these defenses, the coordinators and the players are smart and good enough to. You give me an off season, I'll figure out how to stop you. Oh yeah, and so and I'm not saying Baltimore's that category, but defenses will make adjustments and they will study tape of the Ravens all this this off season, and it'll be interesting what changes defenses make and what changes Baltimore makes.
1: Well, it's uh, it's always evolving, right? And I mean, and and, and what's interesting, you know, I. I don't look at the stats too much in terms of, like, people are like, well, all the teams in the playoffs are the top five rushing teams or whatever. Because we've, we've talked about how numbers can be deceptive when you have leads, you know, when you run the ball. Um, you know, teams that, that, like, for example, I mean, the Bucks. you know, Jameis Winston led the NFL in passing. Well, they went 7-9, and nine, right? Well, when you're behind two or three scores every game, you're going to rack up yards passing because that's all you can do. You abandon the run. Teams play soft in the fourth quarter. They're trying to protect a two- or three-score lead. And you pile up the stats. And so you got to be really careful with numbers and even with rushing numbers. It's sort of how you do it and, in, in, you know, kind of what the formula is. But what has happened because of the passing game is you're starting to see teams in the last couple of years um, get lighter on defense. And what I mean by that is predominantly your defensive linemen now, some of these guys coming off the edge is, is like 245, 250 pounds, right? Well, you know, eventually the pendulum is going to swing back the other way, and so if you're kind of light up front, you know, teams are going to start running big running backs downhill at you, uh, and you're going to have to prove that you can stop the run if all you're trying to do is rush the passer on every play. Um, so I think I think that's one of the reasons Tennessee, you know, has been successful. San Francisco's run the ball pretty well. Um, you know, some of these teams are taking advantage of of the lighter uh front sevens, if you will, and we saw Tampa Bay, which led the NFL um in you know rushing defense. Well they sat two, you know, three hundred and thirty-five pound men up, up front and said, Go ahead, let's try it, you know, and no one could run against them. That's not the norm in the NFL. I mean the guys are much lighter, much quicker, um, you know, more versatile and stuff. Uh, and, and so I, I think for those teams, they might have trouble stopping the run if that's the way you want to go. It just so happens that that's the way the Titans are built um, to some degree that's the way Baltimore was built, but you're right. Um, there will be teams that will make adjustments and and then you'll have to find other ways to win. Um, but it's you know talk about a, a clash of styles, right You go uh, in the AFC championship game, you'll have the Titans now going up against the Kansas City Chiefs i got to be honest with you, I've never seen a game like this. This was a crazy, crazy game, and usually when you fall behind um, at this level, right, in the divisional playoff, that team across the way is, is too good to let you come back. And yet, I mean, there was Kansas City, and I mean it happened fast. They're up 24 to nothing, right? It could have been easily... What 20, 28 to nothing? Or yeah, it could have been easily twenty eight to nothing. But but or, um, Bill O'Brien decides to you know call time out on fourth and one and sends his field goal unit in. Um, but with that kind of a lead, uh, you know that it, and plenty of football left. Granted, and yes, Kansas City's explosive. I got to be honest with you. You got to find a way to win that game up twenty four to nothing. That that's that can't happen in a playoff game. Find a way
0: to you got to find a way to have the lead at halftime.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. There you go. I mean, what was it the se- four touchdown passes in a course is is the best quarter of playoff football since Doug Williams won the Super Bowl against the Denver Broncos uh with that second quarter that he put on up there for the Washington Redskins.
0: I mean, here I mean, here's
1: what I know next week. If the
0: if the Titans get an early lead <laughs> Kansas City's not going to do what Baltimore did. I mean, I'm not saying Kansas City wins. I'm saying <laughs> that that you can't write them off the way that you know we no. always were questioning whether Baltimore could play from behind.
1: We know Kansas right. City can. I mean, it, I mean, you're right. They were up uh, 28-24 by halftime. Outscored them 51 to seven the rest of the way. Yeah. 41 After straight being- points. It's just incredible. And, I mean, you know, obviously that, that lead was built by a couple of special teams miscues. They, you know, lost lost a punt. And, then you know, there was all kinds of crazy things going on there. I think I um, saw it was the first team ever to have touchdowns on seven straight possessions in the postseason. That's just sick. It was just sick. I mean, in, in, in terms of, like, just on the clock, I think they turned it around in about five minutes. They scored three touchdowns or something like that um patrick mahomes was brilliant i mean he went 23 of 35 321 yards five touchdown passes travis kelsey who they still haven't covered um caught 10 for 134 and scored three of them um and it it was just i mean in a way and this is the thing i kind of you know i felt about these games was that Kansas City was expected to win. You know, Bill O'Brien came in telling everybody in the production meetings, no one's giving us a chance. We have no chance. You know, we're the underdogs. We we don't have anything to lose. And that's probably true. But I think for the team where there's expectations, that there's there's obviously anxiety and some tension. And, boy, they were tight. They were dropping, you know, third down conversion passes that would have, you know, kept the drives alive. Early in the game, they must have dropped four or five in a row. And And Mahomes was just like, what do I got to do? You know, he's putting the ball on their numbers. And they're not converting. And he kind of, I like what he did. He got really kind of emotional on the side, on the sidelines. And he told those guys, hey, you know, we're going to have to do something that's never been done. We're going to have to be really special today. And there's plenty of time to do it. Um, But we got, you know, the guy had to go out there and execute. And, and boy, he, um, he brought him back and brought him back really quick. So it was an impressive, uh, impressive display. So impressive that Kansas City ran out of fireworks. They yeah. light off
0: fireworks after every touchdown in Kansas City, or maybe every score, I'm not sure. <laughs> and, they, and then they normally, if the, after they win, they light them off after the game. They had to put a message on the scoreboard saying
1: that That's uh, funny. they were out
0: of fireworks for the postgame.
1: Yeah, well, <laughs> plenty of fireworks provided by Mahomes, obviously, but um, good for Andy Reid. You know, this would have been a horrible – I actually, about halfway through it, they were down 24 to nothing, and I, I think I sent my wife a text, and I said, listen, I go – these are the games that might get Andy Reid fired if they lose like this, if they continue to lay this egg and they just get blown out, you know, by which was, again, these two teams from the AFC South, which could have met each other in the championship, I just wasn't impressed with them. They're two of the weaker teams I saw the Bucks play this year. They really were. And maybe they caught them at the wrong time or out, um, but I wasn't impressed with either one of them. And um, Yeah, I still think, you know, Deshaun Watson's going to be terrific and um, you know they played right until the end, but uh, man, the Chiefs—the Chiefs are a special, special offense, and that's that's going to be a really clash of styles. I don't see any way that the Titans can control the ball that long to keep Patrick Mahomes as explosive as those guys are with Tyreek Kill and all of them. I I just don't see them stopping the Kansas City Chiefs. But again, that game is going to be, you know, at Arrowhead, and it's going to be an exciting game. Uh, for sure. But it, boy, Andy Reid has a really good chance now to go back to the Super Bowl for a second time and maybe win his first. And then the nightcap, of course, was uh, the Packers over Seattle 28-23. And this was a, a really good job by Russell Wilson keeping his team in this because the Packers looked like they were going to run away from it. And But it, it just reinforced that, uh, again, you know, the Packers are a team that, that got it done a different way this year. And the ball, they're a lot more balanced. They they kept the pressure off of Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he was terrific. He he is such a clutch clutch guy. The throws he made on third down, um, even the last throw, you know, the one that Jimmy Graham looked like he came up a little bit short. I didn't um, think. I but, thought he.
0: I looked to me like he made it. Yeah, I. I he you thought his, he made. Well, his knees never hit the ground. I mean, you you. It looked like he <sighs> was down earlier than he was, but he ended up landing on the defender. Yeah, and so where the ball was when his elbow hit looked like it was the thirty-six yard line. I thought, I yeah. mean, definitely nothing, not enough to overturn. They didn't really have well, good they, angles yeah. on it, but
1: no, they didn't. And and the, at any rate, you know, it was. A, I mean, it was a clutch play, and I don't. You know, Russell would have had less than two minutes to go, and, and of course, a touchdown would have won the game. He brought them back. He did really good. Um, what they couldn't do as as a defense, and, and I saw this when the Bucks played them out there in Seattle. Their defense just isn't very good. Um, they get very minimal pressure on the quarterback without bringing blitzes, which is not a good way to live. And then outside, I wasn't impressed very much with their corners. Um, you know, because I mean, Jameis Winston carved him up to the tune of about almost 40 points. But they could not cover Devontae Adams. It didn't matter what they did to that guy. And, and Rodgers was just carving him up with him. He had, um, I think, eight catches for 160 yards. Jimmy Graham, we mentioned, came up with uh, some big, big plays on third down and he caught three for 49. And, um, you know, overall, I, I think that San Francisco, now San Francisco completely destroyed Green Bay um, in San Francisco earlier this year, 37 to eight. I mean, it was in late November, too. It wasn't Green Bay's won five in a row or now six in a row since then, but it was a bad matchup. And you know the packers are going to have to do some things you know to uh uh to to try to protect rodgers and and you know they they look soft physically against that 49ers defensive front and and i i got to believe that the Niners will get after rodgers again um and it'll probably be maybe not 37 to 8 but i the the 49ers have to be pretty happy uh, overall that they're playing the packers and not seattle which You know, division team, not going to be intimidated, not the best matchup. Lucky to beat them once, let alone, um, you know, have to beat them a second time uh, in like three or four weeks. And so um, it's early. We'll look at this game later on, but I I really like the 49ers against the Packers in this game, although it's Aaron Rodgers, right?
0: It is. and, And it's Aaron Rodgers, but it's also, look, Green Bay's got a better defense than they normally have when they go to the playoffs. And they do. do. you trust Jimmy mm-hmm. Garoppolo to, to put up enough points against know. that defense? Yeah, I so, don't know. You know, so the question well, they is – Well,
1: Green Bay can run the ball, which is, is yes. the best way to slow down a pass rush. I mean, they, they've turned into a really good uh, running football team. And so, you know, they'll have to come up with a better game plan. But, um, again, you go back to the confidence picks, right, when you just look at coach quarterback and you're going to go, Kyle Shanahan, Jimmy Garoppolo – And then you have Aaron Rodgers, but a rookie head coach. Mm -hmm. But it's been working for him all all year, you know. I mean, they they went thirteen and three. Now they're fourteen and three. I mean, at what point are you are you going to say, yeah, this guy's really good, you know?
0: Well, we know he's really good. I mean, he's going to be a Hall of Fame quarterback. I mean,
1: no, not just Rodgers, but I mean the head. I mean that you know, obviously, I mean they fired Mike McCarthy. You know what I mean? Like, um. They've they've done a nice job. And and so I think they I think they've got a, a, a more balanced team. You know, it used to just be Aaron Rodgers and that's all you had. You had to do everything, right? Mm-hmm. Now like you to your point, it's a better defense. Yep. They can run the football when they want to. Um well, the thing the is he doesn't have to easier. win the
0: games for them. No. But he certainly no. can if needed.
1: But boy, he can. Absolutely. Absolutely he can. So those will be some good championship games. I really think Kansas City is gonna handle it. But like I said, if you're the Tennessee Titans and you've gone into New England and won and you've gone into Baltimore and won, you are not afraid of anybody at this point. You think your style can win and and you know, obviously Kansas City can't start, you know, like they did uh, on Sunday and then and then San Francisco Green Bay, it's it's a, it's a sort of a throwback to what was, you know, back in the day, San Francisco, Green Bay, Dallas, those teams are playing in the championship every year. You know, we can remember the Steve Young, the Terrell Owens and Brett Favre and um, you know, all that. So um, some really good matchups, and somebody's going to be going to Miami here in a week or so. But uh, good games, not, not, not as maybe as close as the ones in wildcard weekend, but uh, interesting nonetheless. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll certainly be talking about, about those matchups all week, I'm sure. Hard to believe.
0: Uh, hard to believe there's four football games left. I know. There's I know. three. There's the, the AFC and NFC championships, the Super Bowl, and then mm-hmm. tonight's national championship game.
1: Yeah. That's right. That's it. Clemson, Four games left Clemson, until it's LSU. Yeah. And it, it, it seems like that Clemson and LSU played about a month and a half ago. I mean this is I, I don't the like worst. this what a week and a half oh, between it's terrible. two and a
0: half weeks, whatever it is in between.
1: Two over two weeks, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. It was a Saturday the twenty eighth. So yeah, it's been two weeks and two days. Sixteen days between. Right. I don't like that at all.
1: No. You almost kind of forget yeah, about it, the game. You did. I mean, the only thing to remind me of it was um I think ESPN, you know, when they when they do their countdown or whatever, yeah. uh the Sunday countdown. They did it from New Orleans cuz obviously the national championship game is on on their airwaves and mm-hmm. were set up there so they had Sean Payton as a guest host and uh you know, the whole Sunday crew was there. Um, but that's the only thing that remind me. Oh yeah, there's a national championship game tomorrow, and it's in it's in New Orleans, and there's a bunch of. It was weird because it looked a little like college game day. You had a bunch of LSU and Clemson fans behind them, but they were yep. talking about the NFL, predominantly, and and a little bit of college football. Well, we'll talk a lot about the game tomorrow after we watch it and uh, have a chance to analyze uh, the matchup. Now, there you still like LSU, the, right? I do. I like. I just think Burrow, and I think I think LSU's. Uh, overall game i think they're more more balanced i, I mean look uh, trevor lawrence made some great plays to win that game late against ohio state but they they had to struggle a little bit and ohio state's a very very good team it just i mean the game's in new orleans let's start there and mm-hmm. i know Dabo's been playing this nobody gives us a chance crap and then they've won like 29 <laughs> in a row i mean come on um but you know it, it's it's just not gonna it's not going to fly with LSU. and I mean, They've just been so dynamic on offense, and and he and Burrow is, look, like I said, if these two guys came out, they'd be 1-2 in the draft, but this is a great quarterback matchup, but I, I just think this feels like it's LSU season. They've beaten, what, five, five top ten teams this year, and, and uh, Clemson's beaten one in Ohio State, yeah. which is a very good one. But I um, think Clemson's
0: the, the toughest team LSU's faced all year.
1: Uh, I would agree with that. Yeah, which I is why I,
0: I think Clemson wins this game.
1: I, you think I, Clemson wins? Wow! I,
0: I, if it was played last Monday
1: and it was only a week mm-hmm.
0: after that Clemson Ohio State game, you kind I, of lose I think the I,
1: momentum a I, little bit. I, well, I, yeah. I,
0: I think Clemson gets time to rest up from that game. Yeah, that's true. You know, and and and, and, and a little more time to prepare. I mean, you know, it was no doubt Clemson mm-hmm. was facing the tougher opponent going into the semifinals.
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, you yeah. know,
0: I think it's without a doubt there was three teams that were above everybody else in football, LSU, Clemson, mm-hmm. Ohio State. Yeah. Clemson comes out of that game. Had it been played a week later, I I, I might have leaned towards LSU, but I think Dabo's the better
1: coach. Hmm.
0: I think Clemson has a much better defense than LSU. I mean, you, LSU has true. a reputation of a great defense, but their defense but they're, right this now is not, is not, not as yeah. good. Right? They've mm-hmm. kind of flipped the script, and the offense is what carries this team. That's right. And I st- I think Joe Burrow's had the better season, but I think Trevor Lawrence is the better quarterback. And wow. they've got the experience of being there before. True that. It is at the Superdome, and that's one that, you know, the fan base – I mean, Clemson will travel well, but it's going to be 70-30 LSU there.
1: Yeah, I just think that Clemson's going to have to come out and hit them in the mouth a little bit. You know, I mean, they, they, they can't afford to fall behind and let, let LSU start to, uh, you know, play off the crowd and build momentum. Mm-hmm. So they're gonna have to have a, a nice start to that game. But uh but it it yeah, I think they're evenly matched teams and it, it would it surprise me if Clemson won? No. I mean they're look, they're here every year and, and they win national championships and I think that Lawrence will probably be every bit the quarterback that Burrow is, but um I still I still kinda like L S U right now at home, um and, and just the year that, that they're having. But it's gonna be a super matchup and um I know people are tired of Clemson maybe, but this will this will be a good one for sure. So we've also um, had a little bit of news in the NFL uh, before we get to Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, you know, the NFL is doing something this year that they've never done before. And, you know, this is their 100th anniversary, so it's a centennial celebration, if you will. And basically they have what's called a centennial class. They're going to have their, their normal class of, of, of modern-day players like they always do that will be voted on the Saturday before the Super Bowl, and John Lynch is part of that, right? He's a finalist, again, one of the top 15, uh, you know, players in that room. Um, but they're they're voting uh, a centennial class that will include 10 senior candidates, two head coaches, and three contributors. Uh, it's a class of 15 uh, for 2020. And most of that's going to be announced, I think, on Tuesday or Wednesday on NFL Network. Um, but they basically did it with a blue blue ribbon panel rather than, you know, subjecting all these guys to individual votes like is usually done where you whittle it down from, you know, a hundred to, you know, to 50 or 25 and then the final 15 all are presented in the room and the voters vote on them. And then, then, you know, it's, it's everybody that, that is a hall of fame voter. And I got to be in there last year as an at large voter, um, you know, makes their decision and, you know, narrows it to 10 and then five modern day and then that's it. Um, that's your class. But, instead they were they had the blue ribbon panel, and the way it works is there's you know it's it's the whole group i mean basically you know you will it down and and you decide which ten seniors which two coaches and which three contributors and you're you know only the blue ribbon panel was voting on these people, so they're the first hall of famers to get in without it being you know a, a total uh, put up to the to the total uh, class of voters that said um they decided to sort of jump the shark a little bit and make some presentations during the weekend uh, to a couple of guys that you watch on TV every, every Sunday. But uh, the first one was uh, on Saturday when uh, David Baker, the head of the hall of fame uh, showed up on the set of CBS and informed Bill Cowher, the former Steelers coach um, that he had uh, been elected to the pro football hall of fame and will be inducted in Kent. And of course, this is always a very emotional thing. I mean, I've been around enough players and coaches and even, you know, Eddie DiBartolo and others that feel like, you know, it's never going to happen. And, and, um, uh, they're, they're always very nervous this time of year. And, you know, when, when you've been out of it for so long and, and, you know, maybe been a finalist or talked about, um, and it doesn't happen, you sort of lose faith that it ever will. And in Cowher's case, I was really surprised. And here's why. Bill Cowher has never been a finalist. In other words, he's never been among the top 15 um, in any given year that were even debated in that room uh, on that Saturday before the Super Bowl. And so for him to go from a guy that wasn't, you know, someone that was in there frequently uh, or at all um, to in the Hall of Fame is a little bit shocking. And it's not... Not that his numbers aren't necessarily worthy. I mean, he has 12 playoff wins. He won 149 regular season games. Um, He had nine seasons with at least 10 wins. Um, And, of course, he had a Super Bowl, one Super Bowl. And there are plenty of coaches in the Hall of Fame, not plenty, but there are some that didn't win a Super Bowl at all. I mean, guys like Marv Levy and others that had long, long, you know, long careers um, but made it to a lot of championship games and whatnot. So I don't know you. You a big Cowher guy? You think Cowher is a Hall of Fame coach when you think of the the Don Shula's and the Tom Landry's and people like this?
0: Uh, the thing, and and we'll, we'll get to the the next one, which yeah, I always think of Hall of Fame coaches as having a lot more longevity. Mm-hmm. And Cowher's a coach fifteen years, which is it's
1: decent a long longevity,
0: time. but. Especially now, You know, but, but when you yeah. think of the Tom Landrys and the, you know, go back to the co- Don Shulas. Chuck Knowles. Chuck Knowles. Yeah. And how long did they all coach? Yeah. Um You know, I, I, I guess Mike, Mike – He followed Mike, Chuck Knowles. So. Yeah, he did. And, you know, uh, you know, he went to, what, two Super Bowls. He won one. Coward did. Right. Over mm-hmm. 15 seasons. I mean, is he one of the better coaches? Absolutely. Is, is that Hall of Fame worthy? I, I don't know. And, and yeah. the next coach that we're going to talk about – coached for nine years in the NFL. And yeah, a really short time.
1: Yeah, and so David Baker mm-hmm. went from New York where he presented Bill Cower in on the set of CBS and then flew all the way to, I think they did the game in Los Angeles, um, if I'm not mistaken, but uh, that's where the, the pregame is done. But anyway, um, he presented it to Jimmy Johnson, uh, the former, of course, Dallas Cowboys coach, won two Super Bowls with them, then coached with the Miami Dolphins for years in Dan Marino, was his quarterback there? And I think uh, Jimmy is one that has been a finalist. Jimmy's one that has been a finalist a couple times, in fact, over the last few years, um, not consecutively, but he's been in that room. And I always felt like Jimmy was going to get in. Um, it's hard to win two Super Bowls. There are not a lot of people. One of the guys who did win two Super Bowls, Tom Flores, was was one that did not uh, make it this time around, and he's been debated in that room before. Uh, Don Coryell was also uh, one of the eight coaches that they considered for these two spots uh, as well, you know, was with the Chargers, and even though he no, he did not win a Super Bowl either, but he sort of, you know, ushered in sort of a passing era to the NFL, um, you know, the spread offenses and things like this with Dan Fouts, but I, I think that, I think, Jimmy doesn't surprise me, and I was happy for him. I, I think you know, you go back and look at those Dallas teams which he constructed. You know, uh, for as much as Jerry is now the GM, one of the reasons Jimmy Johnson isn't there is that he didn't feel like he got any any you know didn't get to share in the glory that uh, was Jimmy Johnson's trades, uh, especially the Herschel Walker deal and others that brought those Super Bowl teams to Dallas, and they won one even after he fired Jimmy with Barry Switzer, which was really Jimmy's team. Um, so really he was responsible for three Super Um, but I got that one. I didn't get cower as much and I'm not, you know, I'm not like emotional about it one way or the other, but, um, I just wish that he'd have been debated by the full, you know, throng of voters as opposed to this select committee, which also can, you know, included people like Bill Belichick. Right. So who am I? Um, if he thinks the chin should be in and, um, but he absolutely will be. That'll be an interesting bust, by the way.
0: <laughs> See, I, I question the it. Jimmy Johnson one. And granted, I think he's one of the yep. best coaches we've seen. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if nine seasons is lo- is long enough in the you know to be in the Pro yeah. Football Hall of Fame. I mean, well, you, you know, there ain't many players you'd put at nine years in coaching. You can coach a hell of a lot longer than you can play.
1: Well, you can, although I think now, you know, when Jimmy coached, you're right. I mean, uh, you know, he was following Landry, who seemed to coach forever, and, and guys like Schuler were mm-hmm. were getting becoming retired and Noel. I will say that I think as time goes on, I mean, my, you know, another coach that was up for it was Mike Holmgren. You know, Mike Holmgren coached a long time, won a lot of games and a Super Bowl in Green Bay, went to two of them, uh, then went to a Super Bowl with Seattle uh, and lost to Bill Cowher, as a matter of fact, in the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, you know, Mike Holmgren is certainly somebody that you know seems almost more worthy than me than Bill Cowher, but I think as we go, as time goes on, these coaches won't be coaching as long. I don't I don't think that nine years will look back and say that was a short run. You know what I mean? I mean because I mean, maybe it's just because I cover a team that that hires a coach every other year <laughs> for Christ's sakes. You know we've had you know, five and ten seasons that might be part of it. Um, but it seems like you know the owners are having a shorter and shorter appetite for, you know, I mean, I remember Bill Cowher when he started out. I mean, they had several seasons where they won six and seven games. And, of course, you know, the Steelers are known for their longevity of coaching. Mm -hmm. And they stuck by him and they didn't make any changes. Um, But you would never see that today, you know, especially with this organization and the Cleveland Browns and others. But I I don't know that we'll look back in ten years and say that a nine-year career in coaching was short. Fair enough. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know.
0: definitely nine years with one team would be a long time, which Cowher was yeah, like 15 that's true. with one team.
1: Yeah, that's true. Uh, although, this you was know, two owners
0: tend to just, you know, regurgitate these coaches.
1: And, look, he he didn't, he didn't won with Miami, but he didn't win anything, right? I mean, they mm-hmm. didn't, I don't believe they went to an AFC championship game. I don't, you know. They, lost, all, they, they was,
0: went to the playoffs three of those four seasons there, uh, lost right. in the wild card game and then lost in the divisional game twice.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, he never got Marino back, and um, that was his task when he came back and coached there. But, look, I'm I'm happy for Jimmy. I think Jimmy deserves it. I think some of the things he did in football were were unique, mm-hmm. and um, he had a great eye, again, for the draft. And, you know, he's the one that sort of came up with the value chart in terms of moving up and down in the draft, We know, how much um, the picks are worth in terms of, you know, uh, the compensation for moving up or moving down. And so, I mean, he gets a lot of credit for that and Mm -hmm. deservedly. So build a great team in Dallas. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in
0: the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals. You can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can
1: hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, so meanwhile, the Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, they won on Saturday at Philadelphia. one nothing. Very tough game uh, under Veselovsky with his second uh, shutout in a row. Back-to-back shutouts, as a matter of fact. Uh, to run their streak to 10 games, but then they turned around and lost 2-1 to to New Jersey. And what was a game I, th- I felt like they should have won. I yep. mean, even though it was a back-to-back, and um, interestingly enough, Louis Domingue was in net for the Devils. Um, I-, I just I felt like they missed a lot of easy scoring chances. That's kind of the takeaway that John Cooper had, too, was that um, they simply had an opportunity to score goals and just couldn't find the net.
0: I think they fought themselves a little bit offensively.
1: I mean, I think they played mm-hmm. a good game,
0: um, and it was mm-hmm. three to one, but it was an empty netter late. But oh, one three one—that's um, right, yeah. Essentially, a two to one game. But mm-hmm. I-, I thought, you know, I thought, I thought the Lightning played very well. I thought defensively, I didn't think New Jersey had a lot of chances. Um, obviously, right. they put two in and then the empty netter, but. I thought they fought themselves a little offensively, and maybe got a little too picky on their shots, and mm-hmm. they always tend to pass first. But I thought they they were they were nibbling a lot and trying to force a lot of passes, even more so than normal. Um, I mean, they were maintaining a lot of possession and, and controlling much of the game. Um, but you know, kudos to, to New Jersey. I mean, that's a team that's tied for second or third worst in hockey, and they just went on a back-to-back and beat the Capitals and the Lightning.
1: Yeah, that's impressive. That's a pretty good weekend. And and,
0: And Louis Domingue uh, was in goal for both of those.
1: Yeah, he was really good. And, you know, uh, the Lightning have one game at home now. I think they play this week and then uh, one more on the road and then they get to the All-Star break. So No, they've got the um, Kings
0: Tuesday and then they've got a back-to-back in Minnesota and Winnipeg Thursday, Friday. And then it's the bye week and then the All-Star break.
1: Okay, gotcha. Okay, so they're still a few games shy of that. But I mean, you know, 10 games matches the franchise record, I believe, doesn't it? For, it does. Uh, yeah, they, they, they they're
0: the only the fourth team ever to have 10 or more game win streaks in two consecutive seasons, which Lightning had that last year, so. Right. Um, you know, overall, I mean, you would have liked to have beat New Jersey and and you played sure. well you played well enough where you probably could have, but you mm-hmm. know, sometimes that's the way the puck goes, but overall everything the Lightning have talked about the way they want to play Mm-hmm. The way that they need to change their game for this season and this. The last, th- this win streak 10 games, but even go back 5, 6, 10 games before that. They are playing that right. way. And, mm-hmm. and and if you looked at some of the comments, uh, Jacob Vorachuk from the Flyers talked about, this isn't the same Lightning team. It says, they're patient. They b- bog up the neutral zone. We couldn't get anything going. I mean... In those Flyers games the last few years with the Lightning have been you know six five and overtime games almost every time. That the league is taking notice. This this Lightning team is different than they were last year or the year before that. And everything that right. the Lightning have talked about wanting to get to, they're there now. Now can they maintain it? Can they sustain this long term? You hope they can. And and throughout this streak they've been doing that. So you know you don't have any reason to think that they can't maintain it. But. Everything they've talked about wanting to do, they're doing. And it's showing up on the statute. I mean, they're in second place now. Um, I was going to – I know, I think Boston won, so they're a little further back. They're seven points back of Boston with a game in hand. But you're sitting four points ahead of Toronto for second place, and you have a game in hand on them. So you're six points above the the playoff cut line at this point. And just think, before this 10-game streak, they were out of the playoffs. They're, what, 45 games in, just do past the halfway mark. They're sitting right where you – you know, maybe you thought they'd be a little better than this at this point, but they're 13 games above hockey 500. They're
1: fine. Yeah, no, you can't complain about what they've done. And like I said, winning 10 in a row um, is, is not easy. It's the most in franchise. They've done yeah. it now several times in the last two years. So
0: And Vasilevsky's uh, playing much better.
1: Oh, been playing great. Yeah, back-to-back shutouts. Uh, you know, just uh, the last – his last two games have been shutouts, as a matter of fact, so – Looking forward to seeing more of the Lightning, of course. And then, uh, you know, look for tomorrow. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll wait and be up late with you as we watch the LSU-Clemson game. We'll give you our breakdown of that in the national championship game. The Tigers will win. That's my production. I don't know which ones, but that'll be something to stay up for.
0: Speaking of Tigers, Sunday afternoon mm-hmm. I went to the USF Memphis basketball game. Which oh, that's right. Memphis yeah. is
1: the ninth-ranked team
0: in the country. A, a very good team that Anthony Hardaway has. A very young mm-hmm. team. People don't realize how young that team is. They play um, a very up-tempo style. They can play a little loose at times, and, and mm-hmm. that gets them into trouble sometimes. USF played a whale of a game, and they led most of the game. Memphis took the lead, I think, with about two minutes to go and ended up winning oh, wow. by four. Um, but I was impressed with the way USF played. And, and I was talking to Joey Knight at halftime of the mm-hmm. game, and you know, USF had, a, I think, it was an eight-point lead at the half, if I recall correctly. And he said, well, we'll see if they can keep this up because that's one of the things USF's done this season some is we'll get off to good starts and then let it slip away. USF played well in the second half too. I mean, Memphis has so much talent on it, and they are a very good young team. Um, but I, USF had nothing to be ashamed of in losing by four to that team. And, and yeah, you, you did lose that game, and you got outscored by 12 in the second half. But uh, it, you, didn't, you didn't turn it off or you didn't just lose it or, you know, it was it was a well contested second half. Um, LaQuincy Redow got into foul trouble that really hurt them. They had to keep subbing him in and out so that you know he wouldn't foul at the end. And um, Michael Durr was really good. Um, David Collins played well. I, I thought it was a really good effort by USF, and, and you know it, it, this season really shows with USF how much they miss Alexis Yetna, who if, if you remember got hurt right before the season began, which. Not only did you lose him, but you had no time to prep for that before the season. It wasn't like he got hurt in the spring or, you know, whatever and was out for the season. It happened, what, a week or two or three before the season began. And and he was such an integral part of that team that won the CBI championship last year. Um, they, they really miss him. And, and you know, you, you wish you could have seen this USF team with him still on it. But a good effort by USF. The crowd was great. Um, bigger than normal crowd there at the Yingling
1: Center. So. Yeah, and the Memphis Tigers, of course, a top 10 basketball team. Of course, we said the Tigers. We've got LSU-Clemson. That'll be tonight for the national championship game. We'll review that tomorrow. We'll also have Chris Torello from Spectrum Sports 360, Bay News 9, later this week, and also our our mailbag. You can uh, send your questions in now uh, if you want to for that later in the week. You can reach us on Twitter at SportsDayTB. You reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud, at Tampa Bay. Dot com. We'll also probably talk a little bit about the Rays and their trades, of course, um, moving Matthew uh, Libator, their left handed pitching prospect, number one draft pick to the Cardinals for Randy um, Arrazarina and Jose Martinez, the first baseman. So we'll have lots to talk about this week on Sports Day, Tampa Bay. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody.